Today we are in, um, we're finishing off the Galatians series that we've been in over the last six weeks, looking at living free. Uh, and what's been great is many of you who have been with us over the last couple of months uh, have fed back that it's been really helpful uh, and that you've found it useful, that you found it inspiring and equipping, which is great. I'll be honest, it's quite encouraging. It's, it's definitely better to get that type of feedback than the other type of feedback. So I'm glad that it has been helpful. Uh, and we are going to be in Galatians 6 today as we close it off. So if you've got your Bibles, turn there um, to Galatians 6. If you don't have Bibles with you, don't worry. When we read the scriptures, the uh, verses will come up behind me. Now, those of you who were here a couple of weeks ago and heard me preach will remember that I said the reason many of us don't feel that free or have areas in our life in which we can't seem to find freedom is because we have root issues in our heart or in our character that are producing bad fruit in our lives. And I used the example of anger as an issue and said if you had a problem with anger, one option is that you can focus on the anger and trying to control it. And sometimes you'll be able to, and other times you won't. But until you find the underlying root issue that is causing you to feel angry, whether it's a core belief or maybe some trauma that happened, and apply the gospel truth to that area, you won't walk in true freedom from anger or whatever your issue is, fill in the blank. As part of that sermon, I highlighted a couple of ministries we have in the church uh, called Sozo and Gospel of Wholeness that can help you deal with this stuff. And what's been amazing is to hear of, of a few of you who have already chosen to sign up and use those. And would really encourage you, if you're here and you've, you're kind of over this series, been processing some of this stuff, to really to, to actually take that step and sign up and go and do those. You can find out more about them on cardiffvineyard.org forward slash prayer. I think when I was here last time, I didn't give a very good sort of description of how you find out about it. So go to, go to our website, forward slash prayer, and you'll find it there. So today, I want to dive deeper into how we walk in freedom. But what I'm saying today goes hand in hand with what I said a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so I'd really encourage you to go back and listen to that on our podcast if you missed it, because they are sort of one and the same message, two sides of the same coin. It says at the start of chapter 5 in Galatians, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. God wants us to be free. He wants us to be free from sin, but also from the effects of sin, some of which we read about later in chapter 5, and Matt, if you were here last week, unpacked. And we find this in verse 19. So these are some of the effects of sin that Jesus wants us to be free from. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. But you see, not only do we move from being free from the effects of sin, but we move to being free to exhibit the fruits of the Spirit, which we read about in the next couple of verses. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. When I was here last time, I talked about the way in being the way on, that the way we enter the faith is the way we advance in the faith, that we grow in maturity in our faith by applying the truth of the gospel to every area of our life. And one way we do that is by identifying deep issues, which is what I spoke about last time, and, and going through prayer ministry and counseling and that type of thing. But we find another principle for how we walk in freedom in chapter 6. So let's turn there. Galatians 6, we're going to start in verse 7. Again, as I said, if you don't have your Bibles, the verses will come up behind me. And it says this, 
Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So verse 7 begins, do not be deceived, which in many ways is a great summation of Paul's entire message in the book of Galatians. See, because throughout the book of Galatians, you get a sense of how angry Paul feels at the false teachers who have led the people of Galatia away. You get a sense of the amount that Paul cares for the people in Galatia. And as he draws his letter to a close, Paul gives them a stern warning. And what is this warning focused on? That a person reaps what they sow. Paul uses one of the most familiar experiences of human history, the agricultural process of sowing and reaping, to explain the process of walking in freedom or walking in destruction. And right off the bat, there are two helpful things that we need to understand from Paul's use of sowing and reaping. The first is, they sound like they are having a great time back there. (laughs) They really do. I won't be offended if any of you want to go suddenly join the kids' team. (laughs) Oh, blimey. So the first is that whatever you sow, you will reap. Now, I love tomatoes. Stay with me. By themselves... Juicy with a little bit of salt on them, with some strong mature cheddar and a salad in a sandwich. Anyway, I love tomatoes. And let's say that I would like some lovely tomatoes at home that I could just walk out of my kitchen at any point and, and take and make some lovely food with. Now, for that to happen, I have to plant tomato seeds. If I really, really want tomatoes, but I plant, plant strawberry seeds, I'm going to get strawberries. Now, that's very simple and obvious. Welcome to my preaching. But the reality is, when we are talking about walking in freedom and character formation, many of us deeply desire a life for which we are not sowing. We want tomatoes, but we're sowing strawberries. We want a life of freedom and a life of the fruits of the Spirit, but we are sowing seeds of destruction in our life. We're going to come back to this later. Secondly, the thing that we want to pull out is that whatever you sow, you will reap. See, when you plant a seed, it lies in the ground for months often, doesn't it? With no visible sign of life. And though it may lie there for a long time, it will eventually grow. What's the Apostle Paul saying here with this example? As there is in agriculture, so too in character formation and discipleship to Jesus... There is often a delay between the doing and the fruit. But just because there is a delay, it doesn't mean that the growth isn't coming. The reality is many of us can get discouraged. We decide that we want to be closer to God. We're like, you know what, I would really like that. So I'm going to decide to read my Bible every day. And then we get a few days in and we go, well, I don't feel very different. I don't feel much closer to God. My days don't look that different. And so we go, oh, this just must not be for me. But what we don't realize is that what we are doing is we're planting the seed and that we need to water it and care for it. And it may take months until we begin to see the fruit come. 
It's much like how you don't suddenly look like Arnold Schwarzenegger when you go to the gym a few times. But often it takes, well, for me, to look like that, it takes years and, and maybe some illegal things. So, <laughs> but it, you know, to get fit and healthy, let's go down that route, uh, it takes months and months and months of hard work and changes to your diet, doesn't it? See, it's not the reaping that determines how big the harvest is, but the sowing. And this is true for both sowing in the spirit and sowing in the flesh. And the fact that we will reap what we sow should be encouraging to us when we are sowing to please the Spirit. It should be encouraging if we're not yet seeing the fruit that we know one day it will come. But it should also be a warning to us when we are sowing to please the flesh. And we need to take heed of that. Now, if you've been with us throughout this series, you might be thinking, hang a sec, doesn't this sound a bit like a works-based faith? Isn't the book of Galatians about how we're saved by grace of God through Jesus and not to do with our own works? Why is Paul talking about sowing and reaping? Now, in my last preach, I used a helpful analogy to understand this, and I use it a lot because I think it is really helpful, the, the analogy of adoption. When a child is adopted, in that moment, their identity changes completely. They are never more or less of a child than they are in that moment. But the extent to which they live as a child is, de is determined by how they live. What that child sows doesn't determine whether they are a child or not. It determines how much of that family they embody. So what Paul is explaining here is the created order. He's explaining the way that God made the world. And in it, the actions have consequences. He isn't talking about how you are saved, which is through the grace of God, through faith in Jesus Christ. But he is explaining what goes on in the created order. Verse 8, whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Verse 8 isn't saying that God is a vengeful God, that he's sitting in heaven waiting to smite you when you step out of line. No, Paul is using this image of sowing and reaping to indicate that the process of moral consequence is much more natural than that. Paul is indicating that morality itself has a process. Sin sets up a strain in the moral fabric of God's creation, much like eating too much saturated fat sets up a strain in our arteries. From the flesh, you will reap destruction. The action of sowing to the flesh has the consequence of destruction, or another way you can translate that word is corruption. Now, we know this to be true, don't we? If, if we think about it, it makes sense. If you sow dishonesty... You'll strain the fabric of relationships and reap the destruction of loneliness. If you say envy and jealousy, you'll strain the fabric of contentment and create the destruction that is bitterness. What you sow is what you reap. So it matters what we sow. The danger is that we go, yeah, well, this sounds obvious. We know this. Of course, what you reap is what, we, what you sow. But the reality is, I see it time and time again, that many of us want tomatoes, but we're sowing strawberries. Now, I just want to say a quick caveat at this point. Sowing and reaping is a general principle in life. It's a really helpful way of understanding how a lot of things work, but not all of the things work. If something bad is happening, and you might be here this, this, this morning and you're going through a really tough time, it is not necessarily a result of your actions. 
You might have sowed faithfully into your business, but recession might have still hit it. You might have sowed faithfully into your marriage, but your spouse still cheats on you. You might have sowed faithfully into your health, yet you still get ill. And the opposite is true also, isn't it? Sometimes good things happen which aren't a result of our actions. Someone is lazy in their business but still manages to land great contracts. Someone smokes for 50 years but doesn't have any negative effects from it. Sowing and reaping, it's just a general principle in life, showing us what often happens. However, in the case of character formation and discipleship to Jesus, you can almost always apply this rule to your life. And so just want to just be clear on that, that if you're here, don't, don't necessarily take it as a di- if the, the things in your life as a direct result of what you have done. Sometimes we live in a broken and a fallen world, and sometimes it's just the result of sin. So, if we were to take the two lists from Galatians 5, the works of the flesh, the fruits of the spirit that we read right at the beginning, as our starting point for character formation and discipleship to Jesus, by no means are they all of it, but let's take them as a starting point. And we were to take an inventory of our lives, how would you be doing? Let's imagine you're a farmer, you have a large estate, and your crops represent your life. As you look out, how many of your fields are full of kindness, or patience, or self-control? And how many of your fields are full of envy, or anger, or selfishness? As you look out upon your fields, which areas are thriving and which areas are starving. For today, let's just assume that we all want to grow in the fruits of the Spirit and we want to sort of starve out the works of the flesh. Let's just assume that as our starting point. Are you sowing seeds to please the Spirit or to please the flesh? Are you cultivating the fruits of the Spirit in your life or the things of the flesh? Well, how do you you assess that? Sometimes we can see the logical progression really clearly. If you lie to your friend, you will break trust in that friendship, and that might lead to divisions between you. Division, that's a work of the flesh. We don't want that. That's bad. Or maybe it's that if you watch a particular movie that has a bunch of sex scenes in it, it's going to kind of provoke lustful thoughts in you, and then you, you know you'd be quite likely to watch porn after you've watched that movie. That's sexual immorality. We don't want that either. And so in those moments, it's quite easy to identify the type of sowing that we're doing in our life. And then if we want to weed out the works of the flesh, it is sometimes just as simple as not doing those things. We can see the logical progression and we go, well, that's the starting point. That's where I've sown the seed, so I'm just not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to lie to my friend in this moment. I'm not going to watch that movie. I'm going to watch something else instead. And you might be here this morning, and as I'm talking about this stuff, you're acutely aware of some of the bad patterns in your life that you know are not in line with Scripture, that you know are sowing seeds of destruction. And this is just a moment for you to come before the Lord, to repent of them, and to choose to stop sowing them. But oftentimes, the progression isn't quite as clear. It might be because, like in agriculture, there's a delay between the sowing of the seed and the reaping of the harvest. But it's also that we don't always join the dots, because sometimes it's that the action that we're doing isn't actually that bad. And over time, it's causing a negative effect on our lives, but we just don't see that progression happen. All we know is that we don't have a huge amount of joy in our life. We don't have a huge amount of patience. 
or there just seems to be a whole heap of strife or envy or drunkenness, whatever it might be. And we feel relatively powerless. We just can't seem to become free from it. We just can't seem to mature into Christ-likeness. But what do we do in that moment? A really helpful exercise that I've found is to take a look at your average week over the course of a few months. So don't just take the last seven days, but look back over the last few months and go, what does my average week look like? And then begin to identify what it is you do or don't do in that week. And then as you do that, we identify the progression between our activity and the fruit in our lives by asking the question, who am I becoming by? This question is so helpful because it takes into account the delay between the action and the fruit. But it also allows us to identify the things that in and of themselves aren't that bad but they might be creating greenhouses or or creating environments for either the works of the flesh to grow or the the fruits of the spirit to be starved. This is a question, um, I heard it from a a pastor in the States called John Tyson. I listened to a lot of his podcasts. He's he's an amazing guy. Uh, And I heard it maybe about a year ago, and I've been asking it to myself uh, probably way too much, really, in the last year since I heard it. And uh, over the last eight or so years, I have really tried to build healthy rhythms of, in my life um, so that I can experience intimacy with Jesus, that I can experience closeness with the Lord, that I can grow in my faith with him. And what I've noticed is over the last few years, as the busyness in life has increased, as respons- responsibility in life has increased, I've noticed periods of time where my intimacy with God gets squeezed out, gets pushed to the margins, that those rhythms just sort of suddenly disappear. And I go, hang on a second, what happened to them? Uh, And a few months ago, I realized this was happening again. Now, one of the things I love in life is BBC Radio 5 Live. I think it's great. I love talk radio. I love the hosts. I love the the mix of sport and culture and news. I I listen to it a lot. But what happened, I don't know, yeah, maybe five, six months ago, something like that, I noticed that I had slipped into a pattern of waking up. And the first thing I did was kind of pick up my phone open the BBC Sounds app, put on Radio 5 Live. And I'd get ready, I'd make my coffee, I'd be listening to it. I'd jump in the car, drive to the gym, and I'd be listening to it. I'd come home, listening to it, have it, have it on whilst I was getting ready for the day. And then I'd finish work, put it on as I was on cycling home from work, and then have it on whilst I was cooking. Now, 5 Live is not a bad thing. It brings me a whole lot of joy, actually, and it keeps me up to date with current affairs. There's loads of good stuff about it. But the person I was becoming by listening to it as much as I was, wasn't the person that I wanted to be. And this wasn't Five Lives' fault. Five Lives wasn't doing anything wrong. There was nothing intrinsically bad in it. But the way I engaged with it was starving out my time with the Lord. Now, did I really notice that in the first week or two? The holy answer, of course, would be like, yes, after day one, I missed time with Jesus. But in reality, I didn't. But over time, did I start to notice that the fruits, in, fruits of the Spirit in my life were withering slightly? Yeah. And then I looked at my week and went, well, hang a sec. What, what have I done? I've, just, I've lost those rhythms with the Lord. Because in that moment when I first woke up, I was like, well, what I want to do is I just want to listen to the radio. It was like, oh, help, me, help me get up into the day. So what I did was I took a step back and I re-altered my week. I got back into the habit of of reading scripture and praying as the first thing I do in the morning, of listening to worship now on my cycle to the gym because my wife has to leave earlier for work, so pray for me in the cold and the wet this week, of worshiping as I go there, 
of worshipping on the way back. And the reality was, the, f- the first few days, I didn't particularly want to. Do you know what I mean? I, I enjoy listening to Five Live. So in that moment, what I wanted to do was actually just listen to the radio. That was the easy thing. But what I knew was that if I made the discipline of reading the scriptures, of praying, of worshipping, and then of listening to Five Live at other points in the day, don't worry, I've not cut it out completely, but that I would be sowing to please the, fle- uh, to please the Spirit. So how are you doing with this? What choices are you making in your week-to-week life? What does your average week look like? Choices become habits, become lifestyles, become the fruit in our life. The choices we make each morning, they become the habits very quickly. And those habits become our lifestyle, and that lifestyle becomes the fruit. Let's say one day, without really thinking, you made a choice to wake up, grab your phone, and check your emails. Next day, you did the same. And that's become your habit. It's just what you do now. And over the course of a few months, maybe years, you become known as the person at work who's always available, who will answer an email at 6 a.m. Your boss knows that if he shoots you an email at midnight the night before, he'll get a response at 6 a.m. the next day. And, and what happens is over the course of time, you begin to feel this anxiety building in your soul. Maybe it's low level to begin with. It's just a low level stress. And maybe you feel burnout building. And then what you find is suddenly you're becoming a bit more angry than you used to be. You're becoming angry more often than not. And now suddenly some bitterness is building in you, maybe towards your spouse who isn't checking their emails at 6 a.m. Now you're tired, you're weary. You've got bitterness and anger in your life that you didn't want there. You didn't do anything particularly malicious to get it there. It's just come from a choice that many people make, many of us in the room make, of checking our emails first thing. Choices become habits, become lifestyle, become the fruit in our lives. So what choices are you making? If you were to look back at your average week over the last few months, what choices are you making? What seeds are you sowing? And what things are not bad in and of themselves, but maybe are starving out spaces that you could be cultivating the things of the Spirit. Now the image the Apostle Paul uses of sowing and reaping should encourage us. Because it empowers us to make change. We do not have to stay the way that we are. Now, depending on how entrenched our lifestyle is and the habits that we've chosen, that will determine how painful and how difficult it is to make those changes. But it says that if we make those changes, we will bear fruit. Galatians 6 verse 8, whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Reap life. Inherit the ways of eternal life now in this moment. So how do we do that? Well, Galatians 6, it doesn't give us a full rundown of how to please the Spirit. Verse 10 gives us a sweeping yet comprehensive statement of do good to all people. Great, thank you very much. And from that, we can deduce some kind of helpful practices, but the reality is we have to learn from all of Scripture. We have to sit with the whole whole diet of Scripture Old Testament, New Testament, Gospels, letters, epistles, prophecies, all of that kind of stuff, and begin to go, well, Jesus, what does following you look like? 
And, and one of the things is, for me, that I come back to is ultimately it's about obedience to Jesus in all things. That we would just be people who would say, yes, Jesus, I'll do it your way, whatever you ask. The thing is, though, when you look at all of Jesus' teachings and practices, you realize that sowing to please the Spirit is costly. This isn't some kind of like lovely prosperity gospel message where it's like, hey, if you, if you say to please the Spirit, if you read your Bible every morning, well, man, your life is going to be great. You're going to get blessed. You'll have a lovely pay rise at work. You'll just be happy. That's not the case. The reality is it's costly. What happens when you say to please the Spirit is you care for people who are unstable. You welcome them into your small group and you love them. And because of that, you experience the distress that you could have avoided. You give generously of your finances to charities, to church, to individuals. And in doing so, you lose out on the things that that money could have bought you. You serve the homeless food at our tabs ministry on a Monday night. And in so doing, lose out on a relaxing evening after a long day at work. You offer to pray for your colleagues when you find out that they're sick and you risk looking a fool in their eyes. You stand up for Christian ethics and you risk being labeled just to pull out a few. And in a culture that values instant gratification and the instant sense of feeling good, it's hard for us to stay the course when it is costly, to continue to say to please the Spirit. But then we ask this question, well, who am I becoming by staying the course? Who am I becoming by continuing to do this even when it's costly? We're becoming someone who reaps the harvest of life is what Paul is saying here. We find that the cost is worth it. As I come to close, let's just read verses 14 and 15 together in Galatians 6. This is how Paul closes out the letter. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Paul finishes the letter by bringing us back to the heart of the Christian faith, the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, whilst what and how we say is important, and it's an important part of our maturing in Christ-likeness and walking in freedom, what grants us freedom at the core of it is that we are a new creation, that we have a new identity, that we are adopted into Christ's family, and in that moment that we said yes to Jesus, our identity changed. And out of the reality of that, we sow to please the Spirit, to live as fully as we can, bearing the, the, the hallmarks of the family of God. But we don't boast in those great things. Do I say well? Do I say poorly? Do I boast in following the law or being free from the law, which was a big thing within the book of Galatians that we've unpacked? See, well, the only thing that really matters, Paul is saying here, is that we're new creations that we're children of God, that we're adopted in his family. And that is where our freedom comes from. And that is where it becomes our joy to follow Jesus, even when it's costly. So as we finish this series, would we fix our eyes again on Jesus Christ? Would we see that he was crucified for us to bring us into freedom, to welcome us as children of God? Would we be encouraged that whatever we have sowed in the past, we can change now and we can begin sowing to please the Spirit? Would we be encouraged that it's possible to live free? It's possible to inherit 
the benefits of eternal life, to reap the harvest of life now in this moment? And would we live free as a people? Why don't we stand?